0: Thanks for listening to audio from Rockhaven Church. For more information on our ministry, please visit us at our website at www.rockhavenchurch.org. Timothy chapter 4 and while you're turning in your Bible turning in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 4 after witnessing everything that you've accomplished this week, I know you can multitask. Uh, ask you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we open up your word as a demonstration of our trust in you, the living God. It is you in whom we put our hope and you alone. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you've shared your wisdom and your way with us. And we'd ask your spirit to lead and guide our hearts and minds that each and every one of us might be equipped and built up for the works of service that you have called us to even before the foundations of the world. Bless this group of people, Lord, and let each of them know that what you share with them is individually for them, from you, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. First Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes to Timothy, God writes to us, now the Spirit explicitly says, That in later times, some will depart from the faith. That Spirit is God Himself. And I need to point that out because we live in a day and an age where everyone's talking about spiritual things. But if those spiritual things are mysticism or things that are just supernatural, perceived, we need to know that our aim, our goal is to know God. And be praised that through and what His Son accomplished for us by faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Spirit resides in us. God resides in us. That's, that's His pledge. That's His gift. That's His guarantee that we belong to Him. And so in fellowship with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, with God Himself, then we must grow. Grow. who believe and know the truth. I I think the stool is probably still out in the concession stand. That's us. We are the ones who believe and know the truth. And God has created everything good, right, for us. And we need to grow in our knowledge and understanding. But we live in a world, in a day and an age, in these later times where some... Are already abandoning the faith. And part of that for multiple reasons, right? The first reason is, the first reason is, like Paul writes, there are some religious teachers that are no longer teaching God's word. And they're sharing with good intentions or with whatever, however you want to go through it, they're tweaking and changing God's word. Right, because of a, an insincerity, they're saying, I, "Look, I'm speaking for God," but they're not sharing God's word. They're just they're making people feel good because they're more concerned about what people think than what God thinks. And if I could show you that we could go through all of this through the Book of First Timothy. But the very first thing we need to know, and the warning is, is that if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you believe, then you must know the truth. Because we know in other parts of it, right, Jesus says, the truth will set you free. Free for what? Free to grow and in service of Jesus so that then others might know Him also. And so in our study, when we go back to Mark and we look at the latter things, it isn't for us to just be tantalized about the signs of the second coming of Jesus. Rather, when we study any of God's truth, We study those things so that we might be assured and equipped, and in that assurance and in that equipping, not waver or fall away from the faith. Because the Spirit that is put inside of us as a deposit, as a guarantee, is there to keep us in step, in step with the things of God and what it is that He wants to do. Uh, Verse 4, for everything created by God is good, nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the Word of God and prayer. I was thinking about that. So, uh, everything, everything that God has given us. Now, if we would look at those who had forbid marriage and certain meats, and we could go through the historic lessons of all of those things, but in the early church at times, right, and the uh, Jewish believers kind of growing, they... Once upon a time, the law told them they couldn't eat pork. You know, they couldn't have pork. They couldn't have this. They couldn't have that. And uh, what Paul is saying is, no, 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 no. What Jesus has done is so perfect; he's abolished all of those things. Now, anything is God's made all of these things for us, and so we enjoy them, right? According to the covenant of law, according to the word and prayer. And the prayer part is fascinating to me because you know, it's not like we can by our prayers make anything good, right? I don't have the power to do that. Only God is good. Only God can make things good. But what I do have in prayer is an opportunity to participate in the things of God that are good. Okay? And what I mean by that is this is the action point. Paul said to Timothy, in later times the Spirit says some will fall away. But there's an action point for us. All right, There's an action point. Now, you know, and we've talked about over and over again, our abiding relationship with Jesus is dependent upon God's word and prayer. Through God's word, He talks to us, and through prayer, we talk to Him. And in sharing that, in sharing that, we have this fellowship where God knits and builds and works through us. Prayer in our Midwestern right uh, uh, lifestyle and who we are. When do we pray? Some people say, well, I pray in the morning. And some people say, well, I pray right before I go to bed, which is great. But the other thing we do is we always pray before we eat, right? Or at least we do, or should, can, sometimes do. (laughs) But you know why prayer and meals go together? Because of this passage. Because of this passage. You see, God didn't, God, God He created us that we have to take in nourishment. We have to take in nourishment. Right? If you don't eat, what happens? You don't last long. Okay? But then because He's wired us that we have a must, we must eat to take in nourishment, He wants to give us an opportunity by word and by prayer to demonstrate He's good. So when we pray before meals, what we're doing is we're saying, look, I thank you for this physical thing, and I, I, I... No, I'm dependent on you. I trust you. Three times a day, I trust you. Four times, all day, I trust you. And you and you are Lord and good. You know, it's the same thing with rest. Same thing with rest. God grants rest to those whom he loves, right? We go through rodeo week. I don't know about you guys. My head hit the pillow and I'm out. Right? And it's like, I mean, it's kind of a letdown that the rodeo's over. But my body's saying, you can't do one more day. Okay? But, you know, again, because God created, gave us rest, He's created us to sleep, we can take that time too as a purposeful opportunity to thank Him that He's good. Right, That we know that when we lay our head down, we're not only taking in the rest and, and, and the, the, what we need for our welfare, but we know that when we lay down our head and we close our eyes, we are trusting Him that He's going to continue to take care of all things. Right, So God, through His Word, given us this gift of, uh, of, of His Word, of His Spirit, of prayer, and He's done all these things that we might grow, that we might grow and what's more, that we might accomplish the mission for which he has set in us. Now, many of you have heard me say this before, but I love the passage and I think it's a perfect time to put into context what Paul is saying. In First Timothy chapter one, verse five, Paul tells Timothy, God tells us, it's simple. The aim, the aim, the goal, our charge is love. All of this, the, our, the, the, the goal of our instruction, all that God is doing in it is so that we might know His love and what's more, that we might grow in that love and love Him and love one another and love the world in which we live. That love which comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. A pure heart that God makes, a good conscience in participation with it, and a sincere faith. That sincere faith is rooted in humility. You know, the very first sermon I ever gave was in 1996, eight? Sometime, oh, this is the other phrase. I learned this week. I was talking uh, to a guy who tells more stories than me. Can you believe it? And he's sitting there, he says, I don't remember if it was eight, nine, it might have been 15, 16 years ago years ago. And now that, that's where the phrase comes from. You can say years ago, and it might be two, or it might be 20, but it covers all of it. Years ago, right? So uh, in all of these things, my first sermon, I remember being scared to death. And I thank God that he gave his word for us to be encouraged. In the same chapter, chapter 1, verse 15, he says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. God... Shares his love with us, gives us his spirit, gives us his word, invites us to pray, invites us to know the truth. And in doing that, he's done all these things so that we might exhibit the things we know of him and share that with a world that is yet know him. All right, And so this this work that we're called to, these things that we are called to do, continue with me in chapter 4, verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Now a little note to Timothy, just kind of on the side. Paul has left Timothy in Ephesus. Timothy is the church plant pastor there in, in, uh, in Ephesus. And Paul is reminding him that the things that you and I are talking about today in this letter, it's good, it's good to teach others these exact same things. So this isn't just for a pastor. This is for you and I. That anything that God shares with us, it is good for us as good servants trained by His Word to share that with other people. Don't be distracted is what comes next. Look with me at verse 7. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Train yourselves to be godly. For godliness has value in this life and the life to come. I love that word of training because it is the permissive call of God for us, who we are, and His call to grow for us to train instead of try. You know what I mean by that? We live in a world where people are willing to try. I'll try. I'll try the God thing. But if it doesn't work... I quit. That's what happens with trying. If somebody tries a thing, they try it on, and it doesn't fit, then they let it go, right? If you try something, and it doesn't work, oh, that's fine, I'll try another thing. God doesn't call us to try. He calls us to train. So that when we take the Word of God, the wisdom of God, and apply it to our lives, right, And we mess up or we fail in the exercise of what He's called us to do and the life application of His Word. When we fail, we don't quit. We thank God for who He is. We ask for His forgiveness. And we make the next step forward. And you know what we've learned? Like athletes, we're growing. Right? There isn't an athlete in the world that says, I'm going to run a marathon right tomorrow without training for it. Okay? Okay? So God calls us to train real life lesson real life lesson your pastor is about to confess sin to you they're in the rodeo right during the rodeo things get a little chaotic things are going on it's kind of um, kind of a wild time responsible for a number of different things we're outdoors and uh, one thing i forgot in the middle of being outdoors and all of the different stuff that was going on, Cowboys contestants came in, and they were driving through places they shouldn't be driving, and they were parking in places they shouldn't be parking, and I raised my outdoor voice. It's kind of like my cattle working voice, and right there's your hint that when I raised my voice, it came across as angry, and I didn't mean it to be angry, but then the Cowboy bark back at me. What are you barking at me for? I'm not barking at you. Yeah, you are barking. And round and round we went. I felt horrible. I felt horrible. And I was grateful and thankful to God, right? In that moment, I was convicted. I was like, Lord God of heaven, please forgive me. And I'm in training, people, just like you. God of heaven, please forgive me. Give me an opportunity to make this what you've called it to be. And by God's grace, I found that cowboy behind the bucking and chutes and in front of God and everybody that was gathered around. I walked up and I said, are you the one in the, in the truck and in the, in the camper? And he said, yeah. And I said, I have sinned against you and I need to ask your forgiveness. I shouldn't have raised my voice and it came across as barking and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And he said, no, boy, we're all good. We're all good. I get it. I get it. But you know, what's more is there was another couple that watched that whole incident. And God gave me an opportunity to go to them and say, I know you were there when we had our little deal and I need to ask you to forgive me too because that's not who I believe or what God has called me to do. And I really am not mad, but it all came across like that. That's what training is. Training is willing to jump into the world and to live life and and to take God's love and His truth and apply it in such ways That others might, by our actions and seeing those things, right, not feel like they have to be perfect, but God's forgiveness is enough. God's love is what motivates us, what what drives us, what compels us to continue to do the things we do. And he says that this godliness, this godliness in which we are training for has value in this life and the life to come. What does that mean? What that means is, is that our actions, the, the things that God has called us to, the very reason that He has saved us and shared with us His love, and then asked us to go and love Him and love others and make disciples, there is an everlasting value to that. What might it be? I've heard preachers and teachers say it's, your, it's the jewels in, in your crowns that you get when you get to heaven. But ladies and gentlemen, I, I have a, I have a, in that piece of Scripture, when you and I get to heaven, we don't bring anything with us. He gives us the crown so that we have something to give to Him. We don't wear those around in heaven. Right? You just lay that down and walk away. But the gift that he's given us, the value of godliness in this life is the opportunity for us to experience the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, and the value in the life to come is in the men and women whom by our witness will also put their faith and trust in Jesus unto life everlasting. We must be about the work that he has called us to. Uh, Would you look with me uh, at verse 9? He says, "...the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. This is the second time Paul has said that. Paul said that in, in chapter 1. He says that this saying is uh, trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that, that there is a gospel, and that yes, we are sinners, but, but God has saved us, and we are so very thankful. Here the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, for we have set our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Some some manuscripts, some translations say uh, in verse 10, For this end we toil and suffer. (laughs) For this end we toil and suffer. And for those of you who work concessions and volunteered root beer floats on a historic crazy, wild set of evenings, you're like, yeah, I know what suffering is. (laughs) For this we toil and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God. That's important, because do you remember, this brings us full circle. Why some are leaving the faith? Some people are leaving faith because they have put their faith and trust in men. They have put their faith and trust in what people think of them. They have put their faith and trust in brick and mortar. They have put their faith and trust in their aspirations in the world. They have put their faith and trust in you know what self-confidence that they determine. But God has called us to fix our trust, our hope on the living God. The God of the living. That is important also in the day and age we live because oftentimes people are right fascinated about the things to come. That somehow our faith in God is all about our going to heaven. But God is the God of the living who makes a difference in us now and through that difference for the benefit of other people that they might know Him too. And Rockhaven Church... And all that you've done and all that you continue to do and all that you plan to do for His glory and now in the future, well done! Because that's the reason He has put His Spirit in our lives that others might know Him too. Mary, I want you to bring your team up. For this we labor and strive. I think it was, um, I think it was Lou Giglio, Louis Giglio, it said, there is no such thing as an unsent Christian. If we have put our faith and trust in God for our salvation, each and every one of us are sent to make a difference in the world, to labor and to strive. For us that, this week, that, that labor, that willing to work, right, represented by 675 free root beer floats downtown and our striving or our suffering and the most crazy and chaotic uh, 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 concessions that the rodeo has ever known. <laughs> All these things were our training in godliness, a willingness in light of what God has done for us in His Son Jesus, to go, to be sent to labor and strive for the glory of the living God. Paul continues to write, O man of God, flee the things of the world. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and steadfastness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, about which you were made, the good confession. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who is in his testimony before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, to keep the commandments unstained and from reproach. Uh, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which He will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in an approachable light, whom no one else has ever seen or can, to Him be the honor and glory and eternal dominion forever and ever. Amen. Rockhaven Church, God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll talk to you soon.